Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. I am the good-looking host, <laughs> Serge Boudreaux, joined by, I guess, kind of lovely co-host, Shelly. How's it going, Shelly? <laughs> I love how you compliment yourself. <laughs> yeah, no one does, so That's, I might as well compliment I do all the time. I do all the time. It's just so cute to hear you compliment yourself. Uh, Serge, another great week. I tell you, living the dream. Uh, Did you end up going to the Calgary Stampede? And for listeners that yeah. don't know anything about the Calgary Stampede, it is called the greatest outdoor show in the world. So it's basically 10 days of mm-hmm. rodeos, tons of shows, tons of concerts, a big kind of fair with all the rides and all that fun stuff. It basically in a normal year, it overtakes the city of of Calgary. Yeah. What do you think about this year? Yeah, I guess the other only liken it to event would be New Orleans for Mardi Gras, where it transforms the city mostly because, and I think I love the comparison to Mardi Gras because people dress up at Mardi Gras and it's the same thing with the stampede. People dress Western, like the cowboy boots, and they take on different personas. I was really on the fence about whether or not to go down to the stampede grounds. I did go down. I I was kind of freaked out and didn't stay very long because it was so crowded and so many people. And I would say maybe 10% had masks on. Now it's all outdoors, but still when you're in a crowd that you cannot even move, they did have the one big entertainment tent that probably easily holds 10,000 people, but you couldn't get in there until you had proof of double vaccine. And that was in like where they have live bands performing and stuff. Yeah. You know what's interesting about that one? Yeah, you're right. Either you had to prove that you were double vax or you did a rapid test. So it comes out there was 16 people in total that tested positive. 16 doesn't seem like a lot, but that's 16 people that have been in these crowds and spreading. So I guess we'll know in two weeks what's going to happen. I know there is concerns about Fort Wave across the board. If we look at the COVID rates last summer, they were lower. And then when September hit, it really hit the peak. But Mm -hmm. We do have uh, a big difference this year. A lot of people are vaccinated, but I am getting really concerned that we're hitting peaks. If we look at the U.S., and we have overpassed the U.S. in vaccination rates across the board in Canada, they had a three-month head start. I I think the U.S. is going to peak out uh, very soon, and I think they're going to be hit by a really strong wave. But anyways, it's COVID. Yeah. It's the world we live in. Just to think that this is over, and believe me, I want this to be over, especially that I'm going into the U.S. next week. Oh, um, no. Really? I, I am nervous about it. First of all, you're in an airplane. You're in the airport. I'll be double masking. I'll be wearing glasses. I'll be sanitizing. I am vaccinated, so I'm all good on that end. So... What do we have this week to talk about? Okay, we've got some really fun things to talk about this week. We're going to talk a little bit about giving our audience some great tips and recommendations on the post-interview debrief with your hiring managers and just some things of how to make that happen. The next is the looming ban on non-competes. Now we take a look at what's happening in the U.S., 
And we're going to talk a bit about Canadian law as well. And then the third one is talking about some of the really cool things happening and maybe the why behind it as well on what's happening in talent acquisition technology. So I am going to interview Serge about three very interesting companies. Let's get things rolling. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. The post-interview debrief. There's so much value in it, both for the candidate experience, but also for me as a talent acquisition person. If I'm not participating in the interview, how will I know why certain candidates were rejected? So as a recruiter, I'm not putting people forward on the hopes that the hiring manager is going to even want to interview them. No, these are people I'm recommending. I've pre-screened. I believe they're worthy of consideration. So to send them off into the black void or just send them off on their merry way to be interviewed by the hiring manager with no expectation that the hiring manager is going to tell me anything that happened. So I wanted to just kind of roll through a few things that I know for me has always set me up for success. So can I roll through? Yeah, please do. I'd be curious to see how you do it. Okay. So the first thing is is setting the expectation from the start with the hiring manager about the people I bring forward. I will have interviewed them and screened them, but everybody knows what the process is. The second one is I usually insist in being part of every interview for the benefit of myself, but also for the benefit of the applicant and to understand that if the hiring manager is going to change their thinking on what is important, because it often happens, they get interviewing and then they realize, you know what, now that I've seen these three people, I would like to have this purple squirrel candidate that has a little bit of candidate one, a bit of candidate two, and a bit of candidate three. If you as the recruiter are not involved in driving that recruitment process, then you'll never. The other thing is being very active in creating the interview guide. And that is, we all agree, we know what we're going to ask, we all agree what's a good answer. And so if you're just leaving it to, we'll just use the same one we used last time, or the same one we used last year, keeping in mind, hiring managers may interview once or twice a year, and you're interviewing once or twice a day, making sure you're an active part of the process. Step three is blocking time in the hiring manager's calendar for debrief. And making sure it's like hot on the heels of them having completed the interview. Step four is to walk through each candidate. It's resisting that temptation to just go directly to, here's a person I like the most and uh, let's book them for the next interview. But taking the time and making sure that you're walking through each person that was interviewed. And then the last one is really something that I've found incredibly useful is when hiring managers are giving me why this candidate is not going to move forward. Unless it's super obvious, like they totally shit the bed. Like the candidate just was almost like a, a a dual personality or something, because this is not the person that you interviewed and put forward to the hiring manager. That happens. It does like candidates behave or they just clam up or like they tell the hiring manager completely different things than how they answered your first interview questions. Otherwise, I like to keep asking the hiring manager, well, tell me more about whatever it is they're saying is the yes, move forward or no, we're not going to move forward. Now we agree for the most part, candidates 
do they really want honest feedback? I'm always of the mind that I'm prepared to give it. And I think I figured out really quickly if somebody doesn't really want, but I always want to be prepared to provide it if a candidate asks me for it. So is that far off from your process? No, your principles here, I agree with them, but I'm going to put some challenges. There is situation, especially in really a tight recruiter market that companies are having a really hard time hiring recruiters. So recruiters are dealing with more recs than they ever have. Oh, that's so true. There is situations where recruiters are dealing with 30, 40 roles. And sometimes that's 20, 25 different hiring managers, which creates backlog and time is of the essence because a lot of times these roles need to be filled pretty quickly mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. all know hiring managers are not always the best to get in their calendar either they don't care about these conversations or they prefer not to have these conversations or like recruiters they are inundated there's a reason why we're hiring so many people is because we need more yeah. people the hiring managers are working insane hours so Some of it is in this current landscape, like I'm saying in the ideal world, I think you're bang on. You have the right approach. Having those conversations are critical. Setting those guidelines with a hiring manager. Look, setting a real conversation Mm -hmm. with a hiring manager before you go throughout the process, I think is the most important. Elements of having uh, a call on every candidate or a face-to-face meeting on every candidate they interview is really challenging right now. But it does not stop the need for that feedback because you have to keep the ball rolling. And if you don't, everything falls apart. The candidate moves on to another role. So what I've done in cases, and I am situations that we're Mm -hmm. hiring in that volume and we have a lot of hiring managers involved, I am highly leveraging my ATS and the minute that they finish the interview, they have a half an hour to put in their feedback in the system. Sometimes it's very clear they go in depth and I've trained my hiring managers to go as in depth as possible. So if that information is there and my message to them is if you don't want me harassing you and calling you and sending you Slack (laughs) messages, put the info in as much details as possible. Because if I have the detail, I can move forward with that. After we've gone through a certain rounds of interviews, I quickly schedule a call with everyone that's interviewed and I call it a go, no go meeting. It's generally 20 minutes, like candidate A, and if everyone's agreed, no, that candidate sucked. Okay, perfect. I will deal with that candidate B. And we discussed the key ones, what should be the next steps and how right. we move forward. So, so let me ask you, are you comfortable sharing with the audience what applicant tracking you're working with? Because what you're describing is almost, I think for a lot of us, especially if you've ever worked in Taleo or Oracle's products, or even any of those other like SAP's products or success factors, the very thought of a hiring manager willingly going back into the system and putting in notes is unheard of because the system, it's just so cumbersome. Navigating your way, it's not intuitive. Hiring managers probably feel sick to their stomach of the thought of having to even go back in because it's not easy. So what system do you use? I've been very fortunate in my career that I've 
uh, had the opportunity to implement a new ATS pretty much in every company. I've been the head of talent acquisition, and I've always looked at two key elements. Is it easier for job seekers? How's the candidate journey? That's taken care of. But the second is the hiring manager. How easy is it for them? Because I've recruited from the tech Mm -hmm. to the construction industry. And I'll tell you, a lot of people in construction industry, the last thing they want to do is log into any system. And I don't want to spend hours training them. So I've gone through different systems that I've Mm -hmm. never really had an issue. So the last couple I've implemented was workable. And that was for the construction industry was extremely easy to log in from your smartphone, put in your feedback, mm-hmm. and boom, it's done. And I currently have the last one I implemented with smart recruiters. And I've had no issues with my hiring managers. Do I still need to harass them every once in a while to go put in their info? Mm-hmm. Yes, but they've all used it. They know exactly how to use it. It's very user-friendly. So I think you make a really good point because most Mm -hmm. of the ATS out there are extremely painful. And this is where the value of a good ATS Mm -hmm. makes a massive difference. So most of the ATS that are really focused ATS, not a full HCM, they do that well. So I know we talk a lot about ATS and HCMs or HRIS. There's a reason why you should go for an ATS focus for talent acquisition, not one for the rest of the company, because they do this better. So I agree agree. with all your points in the sake of how busy it is for some recruiters. You might need to take shortcuts. Not ideal, but this is where you should be able to leverage technology to at least get some of the info instead of not getting any info. And to your point, setting the caveats before you start hiring yeah, yeah, should be critical. And an example of that being like, okay, so when you're going to interview, I expect you to put your candidate feedback within, say, a couple of hours. You're accountable for this. I'm accountable for this. So if they don't do it, like the, the message is, I'm not going to work on your roles. I'm going to focus on the other roles. If you're not putting your info, I'm just going to focus my times on the hiring managers that do. And sometimes that creates that urgency with the hiring managers. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Well, and so it it works beautifully if you've got some tools. I think organizations that have this expectation that we can somehow magically, as recruiters, just pull these people out of our ear and think that they will ever talk to us again and not tell 15 of their closest colleagues and friends don't ever work with this. It's so much of it can be solved with just give us some tools. So I agree. Yeah. So changing subjects. Uh, there was a great article here on the looming ban in the U.S. on what is referred to as a non-compete agreement. I know here in Canada, we do see it from time to time on offer letters where companies are asking you or basically restricting you from working for a direct competitor. And the best of my knowledge, I don't think there is a court in this country, in Canada, that has upheld the challenge to a non-compete. As a matter of fact, most of the laws in this country are written in the favor of the individuals and not in favor of the corporation. So Serge, what are your thoughts about why Canadian companies, why do they still include non-competes? It's a scare tactic. We all know they're not enforceable. A lot of people don't. We're in the industry. We know 
what's going to be upheld in court and what's not. So I really do think it's a dreadful practice to even put a non-compete, especially for the types of roles that they're putting in Canada. We've seen it on roles as a customer service rep. And I know there's a company. Yeah. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. That is standard practice in the U.S., though, which is part of the reason why they're making some changes there. I don't know if I ever told you, but I've I've received letters from lawyers saying that you've gone to a competitor violating your non-compete. And you know what I've done in all those cases? What? Ignored it. Never heard back. So it was really uh, a scare tactic in some ways, because if I'm going to a competitor, I do believe non-solicitation and non-disclosure, those are completely viable. Yes, Um, for sure. And and what's triggering this discussion is, especially in the US, is companies are doing it for every role which I feel is very anti-capitalistic. I feel is not right for the workers. If you're working a 40K job and you have to sign in a non-competes, it basically ties you into that company. So what are you going to do? You're working in customer service and they don't want to pay you more, but the call center down the street wants to pay you $20,000 more. You can't go because of your non-compete. And that same company Mm. is not promoting you. Talk about anti-competitive, talk about anti-capitalism. It doesn't make any sense. So it looks like the U.S. are putting rules in play. There's a new executive order that's making it harder to put non-competes in place. But For clarity, though, just go back a second here. For clarity, just for everyone, make sure we're all on the same page. Can you just give us the distinction between a non-compete and a non-solicitation? How about I go into that, actually? If you're using non-compete, I think you have to ask yourself some questions. So what exactly are you trying to protect? Is it trade secrets? Is it someone Mm -hmm. goes to another company and tries to poach your customers? Those are all valid. But is a non-compete the right answer? Is it not a non-solicitation or say you have trade secrets. What about a non-disclosure or a a confidentiality agreement? That does what you need to do. I think what they're just doing is a blanket non-compete and they feel that's going to cover every aspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most companies in Canada do non-compete and non-solicitation, which non-solicitation here in Canada, and I'm sure in the U.S., is very enforceable. Uh, So I'm working for company A and I go work for the competitor. I can't go, first of all, try to recruit all the staff. And secondly, I can't go after all those customers directly that I've built relationships because I work for that competitor company. Now I want to move them over. I, I completely agree with that element. What's your thoughts? A lot of confusion around Canadian employment law. From the candidate side, because if you were to sign an offer letter that had a non-compete clause in it that says, if you are ever to leave the industry or ever to leave our employ, that you cannot work within the industry for 12 months. Now, why would you sign that? Unless, of course, you are thinking of American law where that is still in play. Now, 
the the article that I think both of us picked up on was the the move from the federal U.S. government to ban and do away with the non-competes because there are other laws that really do protect the organization for exactly what you said. You can't go back and pilfer your former employer and take all the employees and you can't go back and start um, calling all their customers and moving them over to either the new firm you work with or starting one up on your own. So I think that is the big fear is that you go start your own company and then try and bring all the the clients. There's laws to protect you on that. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting conversation. And I'm really glad to hear that the US is going to start moving in that direction as well, because I think it's always been there. But I think the biggest message here for our listening audience is know the difference between a non-compete. And when your employer is insisting to do that, come to the table with some good good information on the difference between a non-compete, non-disclosure, and non-solicitation, right? Yeah. Not that we have to be lawyers, but... There's law, then there's just really good hiring practice. Do you really want to start our relationship talking about the end of the relationship? So it's Mm -hmm. starting to date someone and signing a prenuptial on your second date. The other element is in this labor market, like what happens if candidates come back and say, I'm not signing your non-compete and that is the best possible talent that you can get for that role. Are you going to go for an inferior candidate because they're willing to sign the non-compete? Is that a good hiring practice? So again, it goes to your point, understand the difference and understand what you're trying to achieve. We're on the same page. Now, a minute ago here, I was asking you about your favorite applicant tracking systems, which ones you want to work with. So let's talk a little bit more about someone that's in the news very recently, smart recruiters. I know you touched on smart recruiters just a minute ago. Maybe give us what are your thoughts and why do you think smart recruiter is doing so well in the market? Yeah, before we talk about anything HR tech or any type of technology, after last week's discussion on Google for jobs, where basically everyone else in the industry came out and said Shelly was dead wrong on it. uh, Everyone in the industry. Yeah, you and Chad Sawash. And then Chris Russell. Basically everyone. So I think you've lost your Shelly against the world. Shelly against the world. No, I'm kidding. But you were wrong. But anyways, we're used to that. Well, let's talk about smart recruiter. So full disclosure. I know you're a big fan. But for good reason. I, I am. Well, there's a couple of reasons. So we've had Jerome on the show. Yeah. Jerome to this day is probably my favorite guest or one of my favorite guests as far as how well he explained talent acquisition, how he looks at it. I have that affinity, but I implemented smart recruiters around a year ago at one of my clients. I have found it to be an extremely good ATS. It does have some little flaws. It's not perfect. One of the things that drives me is not integrated with zoom which makes me have to do workarounds but aside from that Mm -hmm. i think smart recruiter is a really good system so just to recap the news they have received 120 million in series e funding valuating the company at 1.5 billion so they officially reached the unicorn status Mm -hmm. Smart Recruiters was launched in 2008 and it was launched with Jerome and Jerome was already an industry leader because he had started the ATS Mr. Ted, sold to StepStone uh, and then basically started Smart Recruiters. They need more money. 
because there is still things they need to improve. Where I think they're going to take this money and really expand it is the onboarding side. They've got pretty much every base covered except they don't have an onboarding solution at all. Where I think Smart Recruiter has done an extremely good job is their marketplace They've really done marketplace like it should be. For those of us who don't know what you mean when you say marketplace, just break that down for us a bit. You're looking, say, for a sourcing tool or you're looking for a background provider. You can actually go into Smart Recruiter Marketplace and it shows all the ones that are already integrated with Smart Recruiter. So it's basically almost like a flick of the switch. You sign up. And then it's automatically implemented and integrated into your flow wherever it ends up. So say it's a background check provider, mm-hmm. it's integrated in the right process, right in the flow. So you're not dealing with integration nightmares, which is usually what shies away people like me from putting mm-hmm. Any new tools is just like, okay, okay, the ATS is my central hub and I want everything to work well with it. We've seen everything that Jobvite has Mm -hmm. been able to do with all the acquisitions, like seven acquisitions in the last two years. So Mm -hmm. they're now in a play to basically try to compete with them. They had recent acquisitions. They acquired a conversational AI tool, JobPal, now which is called SmartPal. I think we're going to see more acquisitions. I think we're going to see new features, new products. So I think it's exciting. I think Smart Recruiters is a pretty good system. So let's talk a little bit about maybe a a smaller firm that I know you showcased and talked to them and have done some work with them. But share with us, what is it that Dover does? And I know they got a little bit of cash there too. But first of all, what does Dover do? Their business has changed dramatically. So Max Kolish, who is the CEO I've met, I was so impressed the first time I met him. And this was really at the launch of Dover. And they mm-hmm. just announced yesterday they got a Series A funding for $20 million. So Series nice. A, $20 million, pretty damn good. They're based in, I think it's San Fran. Yeah, they're in San Francisco. Okay. It's very smart people that had started a bunch of startups and the biggest challenge they had was hiring people. They're like, hey, let's try to fix this. We know a lot of people do that. But I think what they did is basically an ATS and what he calls it is a recruitment orchestration platform. Again, with HR tech making shit up. But anyways, no, why were you so impressed with them though? I think you see a lot of HR tech and takes a lot to turn your head. What made them special in your mind? They're focused on the tech world. So they're focused on startups and a couple of things that is really challenging for recruiters. So you need to be able to source people. You need to be able to, when those candidates apply, you need to be able to bring them in and give them a good experience, which is what an ATS does. And then you have all these challenges that we don't think about. Writing a job description, writing an offer letter, writing a rejection letter to a candidate. And they've created- Yeah, we just hope it's already built. Exactly. But they (laughs) Just give me a template. (laughs) 
that does it for you. And what I right. thought was really cool is, mm, so they're directly integrated with, say, Indeed and and Triple Byte, which is huge in sourcing in the tech world, LinkedIn. So all the key players. Mm-hmm. And it automatically looks at your job description and gives you candidates that would be really good fit. And what it does with those candidates, it actually creates a personalized message based on their background that they can find on these platforms and automatically sources them for you, or at least sends the initial message, which mm. I think is is genius in the world where in tech recruiting, extremely challenging. You do need to talk to a lot of people. You do need to personalize your message. You do need to have a compelling message to mm-hmm. them. And the system does it for them. It rewrites your job descriptions, which we know is a big challenge. Have I seen what that looks like? No, I'm a little leery on that. I'm like, you because we've seen. Sounds so ideal many. though. It seems ideal. It's like recruiters are thinking, oh, wouldn't that be awesome? So that's great. Well done. Let's talk a little bit about another firm that's kind of doing something similar. You talked a little bit about Sensia and what is it that they do and what has got you excited about this company in particular? Well, Sensia is one of the clients I'm working with. I'm actually on boarding with Sensia. We're implementing their solution. And basically what Sensia is very similar to Seek Out, which we uh-huh. talked about recently. Sensia is very similar. It's a sourcing tool that basically looks at all the LinkedIn's, Indeed, Triple Bytes, GitHub, on and on, and basically takes your job description and finds candidates that would be a fit for it. And then gives you the ability to go source those people. It does, as far as I know, and I didn't even know this existed till I dug in deeper on Dover, it doesn't send an automated message or anything like that. Okay. It's basically finding those candidates that you're looking for. It's, it's a sourcing tool. And similar to Dover, they got 20 million Series A funding just recently. So... I am not implemented with the client that I'm working with, so I don't know how well it works yet, but I will come back and give you some uh, some tools. We should bring back Jerome from Smart Recruiters because I, yeah. I think this is it's a been good a year, reason. right? It's been a year. Yeah. And we should bring Max from, from Dover. Dover as well. Yeah. So, And I, this is just like the tipping point of what's going on in HR tech funding right now. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely insane. What the investors are seeing is these companies are growing double, triple, quadruple in a year because of what we're going through with the great resonation. So they're seeing this is a place we need to invest. So if you have an HR tech startup right now, this is a really good time. If it's not going to work right now, I'm sorry, it's never going to work. I love this whole idea. I'm really excited to hear more about how solutions like um, Sensia and Seekout will become just a regular part of any sort of toolkit that a recruiter needs. That's the interesting thing about tech, right? Something that might be hot right now will evolve into something else. And to have these tools, I think it goes back to something you said earlier, Serge. And that is, if you've got 30 open, are you kidding me? The thought of, do you have the time to stop and look for these tools? And then second of all, if they don't integrate well with your applicant tracking system, it becomes its own little fucking nightmare. If you're trying to add even something very straightforward and simple, and it's not part of a marketplace, like you explained with Smart Recruiter, imagine the painful experience. I know Oracle's always had like their preferred vendors, but if you're in 
Oracle Cloud or Taleo right now, just talk to anybody who's tried to implement programmatic and you will hear story after nightmare story that a year later, it's still not working. It's not fulfilled the promise. And I think that's why is until it gets to be so easy that you can start adding these tools. It's just like the thought of it is like frightening. I think you make a really good point because the ATS is the central hub. If it doesn't work with it, it's going to be really tough to implement any new tools. We're going to be coming up to a massive change because I think a lot of companies are now seeing that they do really need a real ATS, not of this Oracle Cloud, this Workday, Ultipro, ADP. They're just shit. They're just bad systems. And they're being <laughs> driven by IT, NHR. Or, fi- or finance. Or finance, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're just finance, bad, bad yeah, tools. Yeah. And they're not helping recruiters at all. They're not helping the candidate experience. So I think this is what's going to be really interesting when we talk about Google for jobs and then penalizing companies that don't have a simple apply process because a lot of these with not simple apply process Mm -hmm. are these HRAS that are fully integrated. So anyways, another fantastic week. Yes. Uh, Anything exciting for you coming up? In one sense, I'm a little worried about you traveling across the country. Because I was wanting to take some time off too. Everybody I've talked to, there's so much work that goes into even traveling for a few days. So I wanted to take some time off, but I'm going to sit back and, and see how you feel after traveling next week on business, but still traveling next week before I decide. Yeah. I'd like to take some time off. If I was but. flying in Canada, I don't think I'd care. My issue is flying over the border and everything that comes with that, multiple testing. Mm-hmm. So anyways, and God knows what the COVID situation is in the US. I'm sure it's fine. I'm going to be okay, but I like my little bubble here in Canada. <laughs> The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.